Right, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Hope you're doing well. Uh, my name is Matt, and a pleasure for me to be speaking to you uh, this morning. I've got to say, I'm not actually 100% myself because I, I had one of the uh, one of those moments. I don't know if you have these moments. You happened this week where you realise, oh, I'm getting older. You know, <laughs> you know I'm 36. I'm 36 now, right? I know. I know. I didn't. I. Di- <laughs> But listen, listen, you have these things that happen to you, and you're like, this, this wouldn't happen in my 20s. It wouldn't. Let, let me t- this is genuinely true, what happened this week. Friday night, I, I had a dream, right? This is, this is genuinely true. I had a dream, and in this dream, I was playing football for Crystal Palace. Now, they, they, honestly, I don't know why I had this dream. It's that I, let me be clear, that's not something I've ever aspired to do. But this, and I woke up from this dream on Saturday morning and just thought, well, that's weird. I walked to the kitchen to make a cup of tea and I realised I pulled my hamstring. Ge- genuinely, genuinely, just the physical, the thought of playing football has caused me an injury this week. So I'm not 100%, but here I am, and it's a pleasure to be uh, speaking to you. <laughs> we'll just leave that there and we'll just move on. As Christian mentioned, we are in a series uh, looking really at the I Am statements of Jesus. And as you've seen there, the the series is called Virtual Jesus. Different people have different thoughts and perspectives, we all do, about who Jesus is. And so what we thought we'd do this, this term is look at Jesus in his own words. Because when we do that, we see that actually who Jesus is, is a challenge and even a provocation uh, to all of us, whatever part of that faith journey we would say that we are on. And if you've been with us, and if you're watching online as well, if you've been with us this series, a number of the times uh, when we see or read about Jesus speaking these words, these different claims where he said, I am, uh, several times as recounted in John's gospel, it's often in the context of of a sort of heated discussion with the religious leaders of the day. And uh, Jesus is sort of trying to correct them. They're trying to trip him up. But I think we're looking at John chapter 8. You might want to have it in front of you uh, today. John chapter 8. And in this example, I, you know, I think these religious leaders, they actually have a, a point in what they say to Jesus. Because Jesus has been saying these I am statements about himself. And the religious leaders, they try and challenge him and say, well, look, according to the law, a testimony has, has to, well, there has to be two witnesses for us to be confident that something is true. And that seems fairly reasonable, and you would see it in today in the case of the law. If one person says something, he's like, well, can we know it's true? And if someone else testifies and says, yes, I was there, I know that happened, that's true. So if two witnesses are much stronger on a basis of truth than just one, and so they bring that to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you've been saying these things, but how can we trust you because you're just one? And Jesus' response to them is actually saying, well, actually, my heavenly Father is also testifying to the truth of what I'm saying. And if you knew him, you would recognize that what I am saying is true. And so what's going on is that these religious leaders are trying to put Jesus into human categories that Jesus just doesn't fit in. And that practice happens to today. And as we've 
listened to from various people, some in our city, some are not in our city as well, um, describing Jesus according to what they think and what they experience. And often people put Jesus into certain categories, and we've entitled this message, Moral Jesus, because that is one virtual Jesus that maybe people have in their minds, that Jesus, well, he's a, a moral teacher, and if you're looking for moral guidance, well, you listen to someone like Jesus, maybe what he said on the Sermon on the Mount, or even look in the Bible, Ten Commandments, you get some moral teachings. But Jesus doesn't fit into that category. Because unlike perhaps what people would say about Jesus, well, he's got some light to shed on the moral issues of the day. Jesus, no, he said, I am the light. And that's the passage that we're looking at today, where Jesus said, I am the light. He's not come to shed light on just how to navigate through this world. He didn't say that. He said, I am the light. In fact, we're not going to have a reading video because it's just a verse uh, that I want to, us to look at today. It's from John 8, chapter 12. And I'm just going to read it to you. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let's begin with asking, what does that mean for Jesus to say, I am the light of the world? Maybe if you've been around Christianity or churches for some time, that will become quite a, a familiar phrase to you, I am the light of the world. Well, again, if you've been with us for this series, the first thing to underline is that when Jesus, by just saying, I am, Jesus is making a claim to divinity. We looked in a previous uh, um, message that I brought a few weeks ago about how using the phrase I am, it's the name of God. And so straight off the bat, Jesus is saying, I am God. But also, even in the sense of using this word light and describing himself as light, that is another way of saying the same thing. Because if you read through the Bible, you'll see God revealing himself as light is right there all the way through the Bible. In fact, I want to I take you to the first page of the Bible, first of all. Genesis 1 and the first three verses. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. These are the opening words of the Bible. The earth was Without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. In our meeting that we had this uh, in the last couple of weeks, looking at this passage, one of uh, the team just pointed out what a Trinitarian start to the Bible this really is. I wonder if you've noticed that before. In those first three verses, you get Father, Son, and Spirit, or Father, Spirit, Son, I should say. Have you noticed that before? Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, the Father of creation. Verse 2, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then in verse 3, it said, and God said. Now, again, if you know the Bible, you know often the spoken word of God, 
who is the word of God, well, that's Jesus. When God speaks, proceeding from the Father is the word, the Son. And so in this verse 3, God said, let there be light. We have the Son who is the word of God. But also this idea of light. Let there be light. It's a creative act of God. But it's coming from the Word, the one who is the light, who is Jesus. God is creating light, but he also is light. That's on the first page of the Bible. And you know, on the last page of the Bible, it also speaks of God being light. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, so much of it speaks of the future of God and his people. And at the end, it particularly focuses in on what the new heavens and earth is going to be like. And it says this in Revelation chapter 21. It talks about a city where God and his people live together. It says this, uh, Revelation 21 verses 23 to 25. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. That's Jesus. But its light, by its light, will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. The glory of God. God is the light for his people and will be so for eternity. There'll be no need for the sun, and there will be no night because God himself is the light that we, those who trust in Christ, will live by. God is light. And in, just in those verses as well, we have an idea here that is picked up several times throughout the Bible too. This idea of being a light to the nations as well. Light to the nations. By its light, the nations walk. And we see this in Isaiah 42. We're doing a bit of a Bible study here this morning. You're following with me. I think it's so rich. Isaiah 42 speaks of, well, it speaks of Jesus as the servant of Israel. But look, listen to what it says. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So when we're reading about God being light, we're also reading about God being the Savior. And this narrows our focus in again on the person of Jesus. If you know the story of, well, so much of the Old Testament, God called a people to be with him. And he said, I'm going to be gracious to you. I'm going to bless you right the way from Abraham onwards. And one of the features of that blessing of God with his people is that we're, through this people, the whole world would, would be blessed. Would be blessed. And if you know the story of where uh, Moses leads out the people uh, towards the promised land, and it's recounted in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, that just before they get into the promised land, Moses gives them all this teaching of how they're to live in this land that God is bringing them into. And one of the features of it is that to be this blessed nation, 
would be to be a light to other nations that they would see, wow, there's something of the glory of God with this people. And actually to draw others to them. Deuteronomy 4 verse 6 says that. Keep these instructions, this is what Moses is saying to the people, and do them for that, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So as God is the light and his people are also made to be a light to the world. And very, very briefly in the Old Testament, we see something of this. What was brought to mind this week is where Solomon, okay, he, Solomon is one of the kings of Israel and he has fantastic wealth and God blesses the nation under his leadership for a time. And we see and described how other nations come in and see, wow. It talks about the Queen of Sheba visiting Solomon to see the splendor of him and everything he has and this great nation. But it, it just happens for a moment because the people are not faithful. <laughs> the people who are to be a light in the world, they're not faithful. They don't follow the instruction that they were given. And they actually become unfaithful towards God and they turn away from the light of God's blessing on them and instead of being God's people who shed wonderful light into the world, they themselves descend into darkness and they become enslaved and that's so much of what happens described in the Old Testament. But even in that, even in that, you get these moments like are described in Isaiah where there's a hope that from Israel there'll be one to restore this sense of light to the world. Light coming from God's people. A hope of restoration. A hope of salvation. And so when we get to the New Testament, if you know the gospel accounts or if you've been to a carol service... <laughs> you'll hear that theme of light again. The light is coming. The Savior who is light. Matthew chapter 4 quote, quotes Isaiah directly. People living in darkness have seen a great light. There is a Savior who is coming. Luke also makes that connection in his gospel. And John, at the beginning of his gospel that we're looking at in this series, perhaps is the most clear John 1 verse 6, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This Savior, this Jesus, who was faithful in a way that God's people were not faithful. The light that they could not be is coming into the world. And we've just read today, I am the light of the world. Do you see Jesus as the, the culmination of this epic story of generations and generations hoping for a light, a light of salvation, a light of God himself? Who is this Jesus? He's the hope of the Old Testament. He is the Savior, the Savior of the world. The God incarnate come into the world that he made. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, He's the light of the 
let there be light from the beginning, the source of all light. Have you ever thought about your very existence depends on Jesus, whoever you are? You know, if the sun were to stop shining in the sky, if the sun would be extinguished, all life would, would go. <laughs> We're dependent. We're dependent creatures. The world is a dependent place on light. It's a source that we need. But the sun only shines in the sky because there is a source of light that, was, that gave it its power in the first place. Scientists will still ask the question, how, how did it all begin? If the universe started with a, with a big bang, who lit the fuse? Well, actually, the Bible says that didn't need to happen. There didn't need to be a lighting. There was a light that existed already. You see, the sun in the sky, like lighting a candle from the flame of a roaring bonfire, so is the sun in the sky lit from the eternal light of Jesus, as was every star in the universe. Through him, the world was made, the Bible says. I am the light of the world. So that's the big idea of Jesus as the light of the world and the significance of what it means, but, but also I wanted to really drill down into what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us personally, on a personal level? Because that's such a, a big claim. I am the light of the world. But Jesus doesn't just leave it at that. He actually follows it up with a, with a wonderful promise. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And I want to, in the time we've got remaining, just pick apart in sort of four aspects of what Jesus is saying here in this second half of the verse. Firstly, this idea of God being a light for his people and what Jesus is referencing here picks up on this Old Testament understanding that we've already explored a little bit about the relationship between God and his people. If you know the Psalms, you might have read Psalm 27, verse 1. And that would have been a song that the Jewish people would have sung. The Lord is my light and my salvation. That's the first thing. Secondly, though... Jesus, in saying that he is the light of the world, he is broadening this out. This is not just one people group. Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the, the world. And he says, whoever follows me. Thirdly, we have a personal invitation from Jesus here as well. Jesus is saying, whoever follows me. So I'm the light of the world, but it's whoever follows me will live in the good of that. Is a, is a personal invitation to Jesus himself. And then fourthly, as I've mentioned, it ends this verse with a promise. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have 
the light of life. But let me ask the question again, is this really relevant to us? Jesus is speaking here about people walking in darkness. Is that chiming with our experience? And maybe you think, well, not so much because we live in a time, this is 2,000 years ago, we live in a time that's fairly enlightened. We are used to, all the time, technology bringing us into a new sense of enlightenment, of what can be achieved and what is possible. We probably get a new phone every couple of years or something. And the latest technology in our hands. We think, wow, we are, this is an enlightened age. These people that Jesus is speaking to, they couldn't even imagine the power of technology that we hold in our hands. Does, does Jesus really have anything to say about to us? We're not people that walk in darkness. Well, I think Jesus speaks to us today in the same manner that he spoke to people 2,000 years ago. When he uses that phrase, walk in darkness. I think that phrase is one that chimes with the human experience much more than we perhaps like to let on. Our minds might be enlightened, <laughs> but what about the darkness of within, of, of our hearts? The latest technology is no solution to that. No, we're talking about an, an age-old problem that is within and is within each one of us. Jesus is talking about the darkness that creeps into our lives that we carry with us. The darkness of, of, of guilt. The darkness of, of shame. Of things that we have done or things from the past. The darkness of perhaps things about ourselves that we would prefer to keep hidden. Things that we do, things that we have done, things that we think about. Do you walk in darkness? In a way, perhaps we all do. Jesus is really speaking to the problem of sin and he's calling it out. And saying that he is the answer to that. But I think that is a, a very real experience. And actually I think this idea of people walking in darkness, I think there'll be hundreds if not thousands of people in our city today who would actually say, yeah, that's, that's my experience that we live in a city that is incredibly popular place to be, but it's a place where there's a great amount of struggle and, and suffering. And, and many people isolate themselves and are getting increasingly isolated as society becomes more fragmented. It's much more easy for people to hide and withdraw and be dependent on themselves, dependent on technology perhaps, and not live in the light of friendship and other people knowing you and being known. I think there has been a more and more a trend towards that. 
And that's an experience that the Bible talks about, that darkness does beget darkness. When there's things about our lives that we don't like and we feel that are dark and we, we want to hide them away, and it's easier to not connect with others and not be honest with others. And I would say that is a trend that happens, and there's many people in this city who probably literally live with their curtains drawn, afraid of being exposed afraid of what others might think. And actually, by doing that, choose to live in darkness. Because in a perverse way, there's some security perhaps there. There's some safety. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want people to know my life. And so I'm going I'm to walk in darkness. And that can spiral. And you don't, I don't think you have to be isolated. And maybe I'm describing experience of people in this room today. Maybe you're not. Maybe you could be surrounded by lots of people. But actually, yeah, my, you could be in a situation. Yeah, my experience, yeah, I know. This chime, what Jesus is talking about here chimes with my experience. And I think as well, it doesn't have to be walking in darkness because of things that perhaps we have done or things that we've done wrong or ways that we feel shameful perhaps about aspects of our lives. We, we can slip into walking into darkness because we live in a dark world. And sometimes the darkness of the world afflicts us. And I think you could resonate with what Jesus is saying here because you're experiencing even today the darkness of depression. And actually that word is helpful to describe what you experience day to day. It's just a darkness. Darkness of anxiety, darkness of discouragement or disappointment. It's a darkness that just presses into your life that you can get free of. I think Jesus is talking about a, a very human experience that perhaps many in this room can relate to. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want to say to you this morning that Jesus has come so that you will not walk in darkness. There is a promise here. There is an invitation here to come to Jesus so that you will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That sounds good. That's what Jesus is saying here. So let's unpack this because this is life-changing stuff. Jesus doesn't want you to live in darkness, whether you're a Christian or not, or, uh, or not a Christian here yet today. Understand this morning that Jesus does not want you to walk in darkness. He is holding out himself as the light of life and invites you today because he has died on the cross for sin to do away with darkness and he rose on the third day because he is the God of light and life. And that is what he holds out to us today. So let me go through those four things again. And how can we appropriate this? How can we follow what Jesus is saying? 
Well, firstly, I want to say to you, to walk in the good of the promise that Jesus holds out here, we have to believe him. We have to believe that he is our light. I said, Jesus say, I'm the light of the world. That can be a familiar phrase, but do you believe it? Can you sing as the psalmist does, chapter 27? The Lord is my light and my salvation. It begins with an acknowledgement and a step of faith to say, I cannot get myself out of my darkness. I, can, I don't have, whatever darkness that looks like in your life, you have to start with saying, I can't get myself out of this. I can make myself feel better, or maybe therapy can make me feel a bit better about what I'm going through. But only Jesus said, no, I will lift you out of that darkness. He asks you to trust him today. And that sounds like an obvious thing. Of course I will trust Jesus if he's saying, get me out of my darkness. But it's very easy, actually, to make peace with the darkness in our lives. To actually be so set in the ways of darkness that we just be content. And that can be our personal sin and things that we do wrong and just we get stuck in habits and we think, well, I'm just like that. That's just the way I am. Or even with darkness that afflicts us, whether it's depression or anxiety, and you just think, well, this is my lot in life. And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus is saying, I have won the victory over sin and death. I am the God of light and life. And it begins this journey of following Jesus by trusting and declaring over ourselves that he is my light and my salvation. And I want to encourage you to do that today. Secondly, whoever. I want to underline that word, whoever. It sounds a very boring word. <laughs> whoever. Whoever. No, no. <laughs> this is a wonderful word. Because Jesus says, whoever follows me. What that means is, it doesn't matter what your past is like. You can believe Jesus today. It doesn't matter what mess you've got yourself in. You can believe and put your trust in Jesus today. It's not about your performance. It's not about your ethnic identity. Jesus is saying, whoever is a wide invitation. And it depends on faith in him, not on things that we have done or not done. So whoever, not past performance, not intellectual understanding... The question is, have you seen enough of Jesus to believe he is the light of the world and to come to him? That's all it depends on. Anyone who believes can live in the good of the light of life in Jesus. Trust him and live according to that trust. What does that mean? Well, if you say, yes, Jesus is my light and my salvation, and you put your faith in him, you will start to live differently. It means to give up on the strategies of darkness. It means to go home and open those curtains and say, no, I am a man or woman of light because my Savior is the light of the world. It means stop hiding it means stop just going home and escaping into TV or Netflix or whatever it is, but to open the Word of God 
and to start living by the truth and the promises that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It means not telling yourself that you're just miserable. Telling yourself that you're a failure. No, to believe Jesus is to trust what he says about you. And to turn away from what you might say about yourself or what someone else said about you. That's what it looks like to trust in the Lord Jesus, the light of life. Whoever believes in him. Number three, whoever follows me. Whoever follows me. Again, not just agrees with Jesus, but whoever follows Whoever follows him. Okay, this is where it's put, the personal step of obedience comes in. You actually have to do something to follow into the good of the promise that Jesus has won for you and given for you through his death and his resurrection. To bring your darkness into the light. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to read out this passage because I think it's so helpful in instructing us how to do that. Let note this, Ephesians chapter 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are, the, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by light, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Again, the promise of Scripture. There's parts of our lives that we might have in darkness right now, and Jesus is saying, bring it into the light. And the New Testament here in Ephesians chapter 5 is its instruction to a church. Help one another with this, because you are all children of light. And to walk in the light, you have to do that together. And whether it's sinful practices or things you've done in the past that just stay hidden, there's power that keeps you, keeps you down when it's hidden. And Jesus is saying, bring it out to the light, confess it to your brother and sister, a trusted friend. Why? Because I want to make you feel miserable about it? Yeah. No. Because he loves you and he wants you to live in the good of the light of life. Not hidden in darkness, but the light of life. And so what's that going to mean? It's going to mean confession. It's going to mean being honest with someone. And again, it might not be something sinful habit or thing that you've done. It might be just how you are struggling, how you feel, and depression. Or you can still share that. You can still be open with that. You, your struggle should not be hidden. In the we are children of light. We help one another. We speak. Allow a Christian friend to speak truth into your situation. To speak the light of the Word of God into your life doesn't mean everything just gets sorted in a, in a moment. But it's bringing the light of Jesus into your experience. We are children of the light. Church, let's help one another walk in the light. We need to come into land here. 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This ends with a promise. Not just that Jesus will bring some light into your life and just turn up the brightness a little bit. But Jesus said, no, I am the light. He will be light in your life that never goes out. Let me finish with this final, final point here. Jesus, I think, was saying these words in the context of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, you don't need to understand all of that, but if you read John chapter 7, there's a reference to, it was the kind of the last day of the feast. And one of the features of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus in the temple grounds, is that the temple in Jerusalem, there was four huge lamps that were lit for this festival. And it was a, a festival of celebration. And what would happen is that they would have a, a party, have a festival that would go on all night and people would dance and would hold torches all through the night. And so light was a key feature here. And the surrounding area of Jerusalem would just be lit up all night with the glow of these lamps and these torches. That's the context that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It's like, you think this is, this is like, I'm the light. I don't go out. Because a festival comes to an end. There was a period of people lived in the glow of it, and then it went out. But Jesus said, I am the light of life. He is never going to be extinguished. Jesus is the light. Whatever situation, whatever darkness we might be in, in the moment, Jesus, if Jesus is in your life, he is light. Walk in the light. Come to him. I'm just going to close by reading John chapter 1. I keep saying I'm going to finish. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. This is the beginning of John's gospel that we got this phrase from. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word, sorry, was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. We've talked about this already. And without him was not anything made that was made, including the sun and the sky. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Aren't you glad nothing overcomes the light of Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad the darkness in your life does not overcome the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Yes, his light comes into our life, and sometimes it's not that comfortable when he exposes the darkness, but he does so, so that the light overcomes and swallows up the darkness in our life. Aren't you glad that the light who lit the sun itself came into the world so that you could live in his light and know his light from within you. The light of the world has come. Come to him by faith today. Say, Jesus, I need your light. Bring your darkness into the light and receive him afresh. 